Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket. Today, I have an outstanding guest. His name is Michael Archuleta. He's the Digital Transformation Healthcare CIO, and he also serves as the Director of Information Technologies and Services at Mount San Rafael Hospital in Colorado. Michael's done a really great impact as far as the healthcare informatics goes in in the healthcare system. He's an innovative leader who's passionate about leveraging technology to enhance the patient and provider experience. He's demonstrated a consistent record of success in leading departments and is responsible for the planning, acquisition, implementation, and management of healthcare information technology, clinical technology, and the origination, communication, and management of healthcare information across the continuum of care. I've had the opportunity to connect with Michael at the Denver Healthcare IT Summit, where really got to meet him and connect in an important, big way. And I just wanted to open up the mic to Michael to expand on the introduction, and I just want to welcome you to the show. Hey, thank you very much. It's honestly an honor to be here. And it's it's really an honor to have met you as well, too. So thank you very much for attending the Healthcare IT Summit in Denver, Colorado. I mean, it was an absolutely an amazing group of individuals. Really, you know, when I look at everyone in that room, it's like, look at all of these amazing innovators, honestly trying to make a difference in healthcare IT. Because at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, we're here to improve the lives of patients, the enhancements of technologies to really improve, you know, that overall patient's care, that patient's life, the overall well-being of an actual family. So it's, it's pretty amazing when you add in these specific technology initiatives, these technology strategies, just to really improve that overall all concept there. And I mean, as I stated too at the Healthcare IT Summit, you know, it is an awesome time to really be in healthcare IT. I mean, so much innovation happening, so much really going on with healthcare, you know, and we're not where we're at. We're, you know, I mean, we're not where we need to actually be, you know, unfortunately. But I mean, working together and really getting off of these silos and doing some good collaboration and becoming a good affiliation of one and sharing information with one another of best practices. really think that's really going to help us moving forward over into the future of things too. So honestly, man, it's pretty amazing. And then I, you know, I actually did a topic in regards to cybersecurity too. And it's at times I say it's amazing to be in healthcare IT, but it's also scary to be in healthcare IT too, especially with cybersecurity, you know, hacking, all these specific breaches, and how they're really targeting healthcare organizations. So not only do we have to, you know, try to come up with the best strategies to really improve the care of patients, but we also need to come up with the best strategies of protecting that information as well, too. Now, you bring up some really good points, Michael, and uh, I'm looking forward to diving into some of these topics in in the interview today with, uh, you know, cybersecurity and just efficiency in the healthcare IT segment. And so really pumped to dive into that. And I was just curious, what got you into the medical sector? Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. I was, I basically have worked in the consulting realm of things, you know, consulting groups, uh, more on the technology side of things. And 
I really wanted to change, you know, and there was basically um, this organization was looking at doing its full digital transformation. I threw my hat in the mix of things and uh, was able to be selected in regards to it. And it's been absolutely amazing. And I mean, I've had a passion for healthcare IT just because, yes, you know, in the tech side of the world, you know, we are focusing on, you know, great innovations great tools, you know, I mean, it's, it's absolutely a different realm. But when you come into the healthcare side of things, we're focusing more on patient lives, patient care, and, you know, really trying to work together and collaborate technology to really to improve those efficiencies. And it's been amazing. I mean, um, it's kind of funny, too. I always say, you know, my wife, she's a, she's a five, uh, fifth generation to the community that we live in here in Trinidad, Colorado. And she's actually born at the hospital that I basically work at, too. Wow. So I said, there's much love, there's much passion there. So it's, it's been a pretty amazing thing to really see it. Because as I stated to you, too, when we were talking in Denver, in regards to this, when I started, we basically had nothing. There was, we went from a paper system to a fully digital transformation within the organization. When I walked into that organization, there were servers and housekeeping closets all around that org switches and housekeeping closets all around that organization. There was no standardization. There was nothing in place. Staff was not even there as well. I mean, so at first I was kind of, man, am I going to, am I going to take on this, this huge of a project? And um, one of my first initiatives of course was, well, Mike, you need to implement an electronic medical record system. I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's definitely look at this. So what I did was, is I actually brought in a consulting group. One of the consulting groups to basically measure the overall staff, staff ability, you know, the overall infrastructure that we currently had, timeline verification of the project that we basically wanted to do, and also try to determine if we were able to implement, you know, the computerized provider order entry, the physician documentation, the nursing documentation, the electronic prescribing, I mean, all of these specific modules. And I wanted them to kind of come back to me and say, well, this is going to be the time frame in order to do this. But I said, there's one caveat to this. I need to do it pretty quickly and I need to do it in a timely manner. They're like, well, when do you want to do this by? I said, well, I needed to go live by March 30th to start my 90 days on April 1st. Like, wow, I think that's almost impossible. I said, why are you wanting to do it that fast? I said, because if not, the organization is going to start getting penalized with these new requirements coming in for meaningful use, the adoption of the electronic medical record system. I mean, when the Affordable Care Act came out, high tech, everything, I mean, it really changed the overall culture of all of these organizations, period. So it was definitely an awesome time to be in it. And uh, believe it or not, but we did go live March 30th and we started our nice. 90 days, April 1. And we were basically one of the first hospitals in that group that utilized that specific EMR system to basically install all of their applications in a successful manner and to really hit those specific objectives. And thankfully enough, we have never taken any type of meaningful use hardship exemptions, which has been a really great thing for us too. So we continue to move forward 
with digital transformation, innovation, really team building, which is a critical item in order to be successful. But I mean, man, it, it was an interesting time. And I mean, I can go on and on, but it's been a humbling experience. Well, no, I really appreciate you sharing that story, Michael, and just kind of the struggles and some of the hoops that you had to jump through and the people that you had to get on board in order to make this transformation happen. And eventually you hit your deadline, you got the systems in and everything worked out. It doesn't always work that way. This is kind of like a Hollywood story where it actually worked out in the end. So for all those folks listening, if you currently have a an implementation going on with whatever... EMR or EHR you're, you're implementing, Michael, what advice would you give them in order to ensure that it goes smoothly? You know, this is what we always talk about too. We always say we need support from top up to bottom, and that is very critical. But this is what's also very, very critical. You really need your clinician buy-in period. And when I say clinicians, you know, yes, you're physicians, but don't forget about the nursing staff. Because if you figure, your nursing staff at times has more documentation than the actual physician. You know, yes, the physician basically composes. Yes, the physician has a lot to do with it. But most of the time, your nurses is focused on more attention towards that actual patient. So it is extremely important to include nursing staff with the decisions that you're basically doing. And the thing is, is Proper communication, man. I mean, it's such a basic element, but really get your overall, you know, key individuals, your key clinicians, staff members to really come in together and discuss. This is what we're planning on doing with the electronic system going into place. These are the specific initiatives that we're planning on capturing and then telling them why we are doing this. I promise, guys, we're not doing this to ruin your lives or, you know, because honestly, it's, it's, here's another funny, little, another funny little story. But when we basically um, installed and did the implementation for the electronic medical record system, I would walk down to the patient care unit because I like doing rounds on the overall organization just to see how everyone's doing. So then a group of older nurses that have been probably documenting on paper since they got out of college, they came up, they're like, there's that guy that did all of this electronic initiative. Come, girls, let's get him. I was like, whoa. I was kind of, <laughs> I was like, ah, I better get some. Um, Watch out. Kind of protection or something. But I mean, now, you know, over time, just gaining the respect of what we've been able to do and kind of explaining to them the reasons why we went in this direction started to really come in on this is better for us in documentation. This does provide better safety for our patients. This does allow us to capture better data so we can basically give the best care for that specific patient. And then, of course, this is the future, ladies and gentlemen. This is the future of digital healthcare. And the thing is, is what I tell people sometimes is, it's not getting any easier. It's getting harder. It's getting more advanced but we need to work together to make it the best as possible. Uh, it's a great message, Michael. And for the folks listening, either 
adopting for the first time or switching to a new platform or upgrading to the same platform, be sure to you listen to Michael's advice here and, and include all the stakeholders and especially the nurses. You know, give those nurses more credit. They deserve it. And they definitely have a lot of documentation that they're doing and uh, don't leave them out of the loop. It could potentially be disastrous. So make sure you include them in your process. Michael, what's a hot topic you feel should be on every medical leader's agenda today? And how are you guys addressing it over there at at your hospital? The hot topic for, I think, everyone right now is cybersecurity. It is such a huge topic. And the problem is, is what I see, even when I walk into several other organizations, I I still do some consulting for different hospitals, and I see that the culture is not there. I mean, there was basically a national poll that basically was released that asked, do you know what ransomware is? 43% of the nation that basically answered this specific survey did not know what ransomware is. And this is a major problem because you figure these hackers, they want to prey on the individuals because the individuals, they hold the keys to the organization. Thinking like a hacker, I don't want to hack a system or new generation firewall that's going to take so much resources, so hard, so complex. I want to use the people, which the people are easier to obtain access into your system. I mean, they basically stated that 91%, 91% of all ransomware attacks are coming through a phishing email. Hmm. A phishing email. So who are they sending those phishing emails to? 91%. That's a big number. 91%. Absolutely. So they're focusing Hmm. and they're sending those phishing emails to the employees because you figure employees, ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're very curious individuals. And I always like to say curiosity killed the cat, but we're curious individuals. So we like really clicking on specific links. We like clicking on opening up attachments that we may think is is something legitimate to us. And just to kind of um, add to that, what we designed in our organization, we started a program called Clickers Anonymous, believe it or not. (laughs) So uh, I wanted to determine how many individuals were basically considered a clicker. Clickaholic? A clickaholic, that's right. (laughs) So we sent out a simulated phishing test. So basically this simulated phishing test contained a very legitimate layout. It stated, you know, you've received a package from UPS, you know, please click here to confirm um, the state of the delivery and individuals click on it. But what we also designed from there was we created a landing page. So when they clicked on that specific link, it stopped everything and it says you have been ransomed, your files are being encrypted. So get this, once we released it, my help desk. I had people running down the halls. I mean, it was like, you remember that movie War of the Worlds? I mean, crashing in and I mean, (laughs) it was a massive disruption. But the thing is, is it really put, you know, an overall open eye view to them to say, what if this was a legitimate issue? What if you did click on that specific email link and you brought ransomware into this organization, ladies and gentlemen? I said, it only takes that one individual to open up that one attachment or click on that one link. That simple. And basically, malicious code is like water. Wherever it can find an actual opening, it will go to. 
And the problem is, is the culture change needs to happen in the organization period. Because if you're not changing your culture to understand what a breach is, what hackers are, what you know, cybersecurity is, really bringing in that overall cybersecurity employee awareness training program, which is a must in the organization. Because at times, man, I go to these conferences and all they focus on is technology, 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 technology. We're going to sandbox everything. But they forget about one thing. They forget about the actual end users. And those end users, unfortunately, are one of the most dangerous points of the overall cybersecurity strategy. And if you're not training and if you're not properly giving them the information that they need to be successful in the overall cybersecurity strategy that you're trying to develop, you will not be successful, period. And as I stated too, we are curious individuals. We are curious human beings. We like clicking on everything. So really bring in that adoption of awareness training. Have them understand, change the culture, get buy-in from your C-level down, really bring in this overall initiative and make it mandatory. That's the bottom line is, Make it mandatory. And another thing, too, is what we're trying to incorporate is we're trying to work with the human resource department. So we're trying to create a policy and procedure that basically shows our three-time offenders that have been continuously clicking on these specific links. Eventually, in the policy and procedure is once you hit to that fourth-time offension and you basically have done all the actual classes, training, it will more be more of a fireable offense moving forward from there. You know what, Michael, I really appreciate you sharing these thoughts. And for the listeners, whether it be that you're a hospital, a payer, whether you be a, you know one of the med device or pharma companies, the same applies to everyone. These hackers are targeting our industry, and you've got to ask the question that Michael is asking. You know, what is your cybersecurity culture? What is your clicking culture? And what are you doing to inform, but also uh, operationalize within your hospital, within your company? Michael, really glad that you went through these things. Frankly, you know, I've been lucky. I've not been hit with any of the organizations that I've been a part of or personally, so I'm thankful for that. But with the awareness that you're you're sharing, I hope that the listeners will take the next steps to protect themselves. And so do you know any resources? Uh, do you have any resources that you recommend to the people listening to the show on steps they could take in order to avoid getting hacked? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I can definitely, you know, share some uh, information in regards to this uh, podcast as well. And I am always constantly tweeting about cybersecurity, you know, improvements, how to keep your organization safe. So if you ever use Twitter, you know, definitely look me up at Michael81082 and just connect with me as well. And I'd be more than happy to share some strategies that we've basically done within our organization that have been pretty successful. No, that's really great. And so uh, to the listeners, make sure you connect. I know Michael's pretty active on Twitter. Saw a tweet from him the other day that sort of wowed me. uh, It was about CEO fraud and how hackers are posing as the CEO and employees naturally want to respond quickly and answer to any questions that they have. And before they know it, they've released $100,000 in funds to somebody somewhere that's not the CEO and it becomes a big problem. And he posts all sorts of things that really make you think and think outside the box. So follow Michael. I'll be sure to include his Twitter handle in the show notes. Just go to outcomesrocket.com slash 
Michael. And you'll be able to find all the show notes with the way to get in touch with Michael here. And so one of the things that I learned uh, through my experience, Michael, is that we oftentimes learn more from our setbacks than our successes. Can you share with the listeners a time that you had a setback and what you learned from that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, I think setbacks are are such amazing things because you can really learn so much in regards to just doing what you need to do in order to be successful. And as I stated, you know, I have I did come from the technology world of things going into the healthcare th- uh, world of things. So as I stated, what one of my setbacks were with some of the projects that I basically implemented was in healthcare is is you really need to include the right individuals. Before, you know, I would include CEO and all the actual managers in place, but then I would leave out some of the key staff members, you know, some of the nursing groups. And then that's when I learned on, no, you need to include these specific individuals because honestly, the nurses are really bedside mannered. You know, they're always focusing on the patient. They know the ins and outs. And another thing, too, is what I've honestly learned is employee rounding is critical. Organizational rounding is critical. Don't speak with the manager. Speak with the staff members at times because maybe the staff at times, they're not speaking to the managers, but then you're going directly to the manager and the staff knows the ins and outs of the overall process that they're basically doing within that organization, too, or within a process. Because what I like looking at is when we were basically bringing in some of our cybersecurity initiatives, I would go directly over into the manager and say, well, why aren't you doing it this way? Or why do you think it's going to be hard moving in this direction? Well, no, I don't think it'll be hard. I think it's going to be great. Let's implement it. Then we implement it. Then it's so many complaints from the staff. This is too hard. We're having problems here. And then we see staff, you know, well, I've heard that this staff member was basically utilizing these this specific individual's credentials. Why? Well, the reason why is because of this and this and this. And we learn because it's more efficient when we have basically patient come in. So you really learn from the staff. And that's what's critical, ladies and gentlemen, is honestly, me, I'm not a desk manager. I like focusing. I like getting up. I like looking at what is happening within the organization. I like rounding. I like speaking with the staff and honestly trying to obtain that good alignment of trust, which is very critical. You know, I'm not here to reprimand you if you're looking at doing something. I want to see how I can improve and how I can add my strategy into place, which will keep the organization safe, but will also allow you to do your job more efficiently as well, too. Oh, that's so great. And the message there, Occam's Rocket listeners, is don't be afraid of leaving your desk and the comfort zone of talking with the managers as you implement your strategies. Go out and do some field work and, and round with the staff because what you'll find is it's a great way to pressure test your assumptions and just pressure testing those assumptions and going back to the message that Michael shared about, you know, oftentimes the weak part in our system is, is the end user. The pressure testing is paramount to the success of any of your initiatives. So Michael, that's such a strong message that you just shared. Really appreciate you sharing that. Hey, thank you. So let's go to the light side. You know, we spent a little bit of time on the challenges. Now let's go to the lighter side of this coin. What's one of the proudest medical leadership experiences or moments you've experienced to date? 
the proudest that has honestly that, that I've honestly seen, you know, when we did the overall, when I came into this organization, you know, started, there were so many projects in place to really, you know, make something happen. Going from a full paper system to a fully digital system, building the first data center, building the team that we currently have, implementing all of these specific applications that have been really efficient, that have really produced revenue, have increased revenue, have brought a huge return of investment back into our organization. I'm really focusing on, you know, patient initiatives. What do we design to really improve the overall patient care and the physician experience with all of these applications that we basically bring in to create more efficiencies. And, you know, honestly, looking at all of those, there's been some massive recognition. I mean, we've won most wired three years in a row, which is a huge thing. I mean, the most wired hospitals are basically hospitals that are fully implementing technology, that are throwing innovation, that are improving cybersecurity, that are improving, you know, patient experience focus on utilization of technology. So, I mean, seeing all of those and having those awards in place have been such a huge accomplishment for our organization. I mean, really, really big. And then, of course, with- Congratulations on that. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. But with these awards comes recognition. I mean, like I told you too at the conferences, a lot of people at times, they talk the talk. But in order to be successful, you need to talk the talk and walk the walk and show that this is what we've been able to do prove the improvements that it has basically brought into the organization and show, yeah, well, look at this. You know, we've done this because the main focus has been patient care. So then it's it's been humbling to, you know, see Most Wired come into the organization and really our organization being awarded that, you know, we are awarded this year, this July, actually, you know, Most Wired 2017, which was huge. And then, of course, you know, top 100 CIOs to know with that too from uh, Becker's Hospital Review, which was, has been such a great recognition right, for yeah. myself, you know, honestly. And I mean, it's been so humbling to really see that kind of recognition because they see all the different things that we're basically doing. We're one of the first, you know, smaller hospitals in the state of Colorado to connect to the Health Information Exchange Program here. We basically built the first data center. We, you know, we put in all the applications uh, with our electronic medical record vendor, you know, adding in all of these apps in place. And then we have some huge, huge news that's basically coming out is, I don't know if you knew this, but Medhost was basically, Medhost is our EMR vendor, but Medhost was one of the first software vendors to be fully meaningful use stage three certified. And I know Cerner and the different groups basically release or uh, actual upgrade July of this year, but we started our 90 days July 1st. So if our strategy looks very successful, if we continue to move in the direction that we have been going in, you know, we did start our 90 days first. And if we do hit stage three MU, we'll actually be one of the first hospitals in the nation to successfully hit that. So it's pretty exciting. I'm really hoping we um, continue to move in a positive, in a good direction as we've been going in. I know there's a lot of backlash for MU, you know, macro MIPS, all the different new initiatives really coming into place that, of course, we continue to focus on as well, too. But it would be a huge thing for our organization to really have that good light just because we've worked so hard to get where we're at. And we just continue to really try to be innovators in the actual field of healthcare IT 
and always collaborating with different organizations on best practices. Because me, I'm willing to share anything with my colleagues just to make them and help them be successful and vice versa. They help me be successful as well too. Now, thank you, Michael. And Outcomes Rocket listeners, I will attest to what Michael just said in that he's definitely very open and willing to share and contribute and collaborate on any projects questions and thoughts to improve healthcare outcomes through information technology. And so I've seen him in action and I know that he's not word, all words. He's definitely walking the walk in what he's saying. And so Michael, uh, let's pretend you and I are, are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in healthcare IT today. It's the 101 course or the ABCs of Mike Archuleta. And uh, I'd like to write out the syllabus with you. And we're just going to do a quick lightning round. There's four questions. So I'll ask you the question and you give me a prompt answer. And then we'll finish it up with a book that you recommend to our listeners. You ready? Absolutely. Awesome. So here's the first one. What is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Healthcare outcomes, this is a basic thing. So it's proper communication, period. Sometimes at times, as I stated, We don't have that communication with different realms, different departments, different staff members. Implement proper communication and become an over-communicator, period. I was basically, during one of my career paths, you know, I was considered an over-communicator. And uh, I said, thank you. I love being (laughs) an over-communicator. Like, thanks. Appreciate it. (laughs) My goal has been achieved, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Awesome, man. I love that. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? One of the biggest mistakes is, as I stated, you know, you really need it when you make sure that you implement these specific projects in place, include the right individuals to really come in. And don't forget about your staff members, ladies and gentlemen, because as I stated, your staff really know the ins and outs of the actual organization and of their department. And sometimes, when they know the ins and outs of it, you can find the flaws of it too. So then of course, looking at improving those specific flaws, but also to keep the actual employee as efficient as possible. So really bring in, learn from the staff and learn from those individuals to be successful with your overall initiatives. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Yeah, absolutely. So constant change comes with uh, good communication. I mean, really showing them the overall needs of what's basically needed just to kind of show and teach individuals. We basically, what we do is we have an overall IT steering committee that the IT steering committee that I basically run I kind of go all over the initiatives of what CMS is doing, what's the state of Colorado doing, what is the health information exchange new initiatives coming into place here, you know, how are we going to start focusing better on interoperability within our organization, really bringing in all of those specific key factors in, so then everyone has that 360 view of IT, the organization, efficiency, interoperability, cybersecurity, and everything that's basically needed to make us successful. What is one area of focus that drives all else in your hospital? One area of focus, and this is the number one area, is patient care. How do we focus on the patient? How do we create the best efficiencies for that specific patient too? This is critical, ladies and gentlemen. 
I mean, we really need to include those specific patients in place with us. When we started developing specific applications, we really wanted to get a number of patients around the actual region, the community that we were basically serving. So we had them sit on a good committee so we could kind of talk to them on, you know, would this be a process for you that you would utilize? You know, how much time would you use? You know, is it user-friendly? You know, really involve those individuals because we can talk about another topic, but healthcare consumerism is such a huge thing. Patients are now taking more time in more care of themselves. So they're taking more initiatives of the patient portal, they're taking more initiatives, digitalization of the overall process. So you really need to create those tools for them because those are the individuals that basically drive your organization. Now, these individuals can basically move to another organization very simply. I mean, just transfer the overall digital records. They're now in another organization. They can now take advantage of Another things that are basically happening there. So really be innovative, really be up to date with technology, really focus on that patient initiative, which is very critical. It's a great point too, Michael. What would you say your all-time favorite book that you recommend to the listener as it relates to this topic of health IT in general? Yeah, so basically there, there's really a good one. It's called The Other Side of Innovation, Solving the Execution Challenge. Um, I mean, it really shows, you know, how, you know, companies can't survive without innovating. But most put far more emphasis on generating big ideas and on executing them, you know, mm-hmm. turning ideas into actual breakthrough products, services, and process improvements. So this is really a great book for, um, you know, individuals that basically love health IT, love innovation, how to really be an innovative thinker, looking at, you know, DevOps transformations. You know, it's really a great thing moving forward. I definitely would recommend that. And who's the author, Michael? It's by uh, Chris uh, Trimble. Chris Trimble. Okay, cool. There you have it, Outcomes Rocket listeners. The Other Side of Innovation by Chris Trimble and uh, the 101 of Michael Archuleta. You've got to have proper communication. Include the right individuals in your project. Don't forget the staff. You got to make sure that you communicate, communicate, and educate. And finally, patient care at the core of it all. Make sure you're updating and innovating to keep that patient engaged and in the system. And so, Michael, I really want to say thank you for jumping on. Before we conclude, I want to just open up the mic to you again one more time so you could express one closing thought and then the best place that the listeners could get a hold of you. Absolutely. So here's one one thing to ponder about. I'm going to tell this to everyone, ladies and gentlemen. Meet your new CEO. Everyone has a new CEO. And that new CEO is your patient. Focus on that patient. That patient is basically the one that's bringing in items into your organization because patient care is my number one, ladies and gentlemen. But that is why we need to continue to listen to the initiatives that these individuals bring to us. Because as I stated, patient care, I have such a passion for. And these are the individuals that are basically going to drive your organization. So your new CEO, that is basically the patient. And moving forward, in order to get in contact with me too, is I'm always on Twitter. So you can find me at Michael81082. And you can also add me on LinkedIn as well. Um, I do have a Facebook page, which is uh, Michael Archuleta 
digital innovation uh, CIO. I'll definitely share it with the group here too. So always posting up in regards to that too. So um, if you ever need any any information, please get with me. I love sharing. And again, it was an honor to be here. You're doing some amazing things, Saul. I really do appreciate this opportunity. So thank you again. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.